0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. We have an exciting episode for you today. If you've ever heard of or been interested in learning about packaging that comes from mushrooms, that's right, mushroom packaging, then this is going to be a great one. We talked to Kieran McCarthy from Paradise Packaging. He's got a fascinating story that includes surviving a massive fire in Southern California back in 2018 and the recovery and building of what is now Paradise Packaging, which is set to be, it sounds like one of the, kind of one of the biggest or largest or most significant mushroom packaging companies here on the West Coast. His favorite quote is failure is not an option and his story certainly lives up to that. So here we go. Hi, Kieran. Welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Thanks very much.
1: Appreciate the opportunity to talk about Paradise Packaging Company and mushroom packaging.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped to talk about mushroom packaging. I think with interest in sustainable packaging solutions and um, just a lot of other kind of focus on doing less harm to the environment, I have to think that there's more and more interest in in your business and your product line. Oh yeah, no, we've uh, we've been in operation just a little over two years now. And mushroom packaging
1: itself was actually developed about 12 years ago by Ecovative Design. And I would say it was about a year ago where we just started getting more and more interest. And uh, that really started to peak about four months ago with a, a YouTube video that went viral that featured our, our company
0: and the product. That's awesome. So I know you have a background in botany and mycology, which is a study of fungi. Is that right? Correct. And you went to Humboldt? Yes. That's cool. So how did you get started in this whole packaging thing? And why did you get into mushroom packaging? I'd love to hear your story.
1: Definitely. And it's a story of adaptation and of a little bit of twist of a fate sort of thing. But essentially, my business partner and I were pretty set on developing a biotech facility for more than nursery, agronomy end of things. And we were probably 80% complete with the build-out of a very advanced biotech space uh, up in the town of Paradise. And we had a very large commercial building. And right when we were about to get our certificate of occupancy, the big campfire took place and essentially wiped out the whole town. And uh, the fire jumped our building. Uh, We did sustain some damage, but we were one of the only buildings that survived. And the town was basically 95% destroyed, which is all the way. And in the immediate aftermath of, uh, of the fire... There was kind of a, a set of events that took place, and researching fire-resistant building materials, and that's what you know. I, I'd been aware of Ecovative design, but that's kind of what led me to reach out to Ecovative as a possible way to utilize our facility in the aftermath of the fire. So it's kind of a the, the wildfire is very directly tied to some climate change aspects that I've experienced as a lifelong California resident, and so it's that's
0: that's the very basic beginning of it. And that's- how are things going in the town now? Like as the rebuilding of the town happened, I mean, it was such a tragic fire. I mean, I think it's still the largest California wildfire in its, in its history.
1: You know, the one that uh, just went through this summer up in the mountains north of here is technically largest by acreage, but as far as devastation and uh, the death toll, the campfire is definitely one of the biggest in history. And ultimately it happened so fast and it was so late in the year. Things were so dry. One thing I will say is if that fire had happened in the middle of the night, it would have been just, it was early in the morning and, and you know a lot of folks were able to get out. And unfortunately, I think it was a, almost a hundred folks lost their lives, but essentially right now it's probably a five to 10 year build out. Um, there's, there is a lot of construction activity and I forget how many tens of thousands of dump trucks were just bringing stuff off the mountain for that first year. So it's still a lot of uh, dead trees, down trees,
0: but it's proceeding. Yeah. Wow. So, how did the conversation or how did the process work to where you kind of got involved with this other company, right? Ecovatus? Ecovative Design,
1: yeah. So, Ecovative Design, they're, they're based in New York and they are a mushroom technology company. So they develop mushroom technologies and then license that intellectual property with a vision of having a global network within particularly the framework of mushroom packaging, you know, a global network of producers that are, you know, making the,
0: the mushroom packaging close to point of use. Great. And so at your facility and what you're doing, I mean, what's kind of the focus? How do you go about turning mushrooms into packaging? Would love to just hear kind of some of the technical aspects of it.
1: Yeah. So the very basic premise right now, we are in the process of developing our facility so that we have our own raw material supply happening here at the facility. The process is essentially a pasteurization or sterilization of a woody material
0: that right now
1: we use hemp herd, which is the woody core of a hemp plant, and that's, the fiber hemp plant, the more like corn stock type, not your CBD type uh, hemp. But our mushroom eats the woody material. So it's inoculated after the pasteurization. So you're adding that target mushroom into the woody material. In this case with the packaging, hemp herd is a really nice balance of lightness and strength and density for packaging in particular. We've demonstrated that locally available feedstocks like rice holes, walnut shells, almond holes, like those are all major ag products in our area. But right now hemp herd is the primary. And so that it looks like a pretty finely ground wood wood bits. And when we get it, it's inoculated. So you can see the white mycelial threads that are in that material. We get it in a bag form and so the basic production is, it's a wood-eating fungi. So there is a sterilizing or pasteurization process so that we can basically kill off any resident bacteria or fungi that might be on that woody material. Hemp herd is the, the primary feedstock we use right now because it's got a very nice strength, density, lightness aspect for that's ideal for packaging. And so once you pasteurize that woody material, then you inoculate or add in just the, the specific fast-growing, wood-eating mushroom that we utilize. And so it's a six-day growth process that inoculated hemp herd is distributed into a thermoformed custom shape, and it is allowed to grow in that shape for four days. And after four days, we pop it or remove it from that thermoformed tray. It's allowed to grow for two more days in a very high humidity controlled temperature environment. And that gives it this very nice felt feeling, what we call overgrowth. And uh, after that six-day process, we put it into an oven for approximately 12 to 24 hours. And that functionally
0: kills off the mushroom, not so much by temperature, but by drying it out. It sounds like a pretty long, intensive process in terms of packaging material. Is there kind of a limitation there with the amount of time it takes? Or is there kind of additional technologies that are used to shorten the process? Or why does that take as long as it does? You know, it, it may seem like
1: it is a longer process, but the way I kind of look at it, it's also the, the lifespan of the, the material that's being utilized. And if you're looking at, you know, a plastic or expanded polystyrene material, it's, it's a byproduct or a product of the petrochemical industry. It's like, it's kind of how you look at it. And so right now, that's a big part of our infrastructure expansion because there's like a real estate almost on the, the vertical racking system. So like how big the the shape is can kind of dictate like how many you can make. If I can make nine pieces per tray for like a candle holder or half of a shipping
0: cooler, that factors in pretty heavily. That's great. And so what so what are kind of the primary uses or maybe customers that you currently have or that you're hoping to have? Like, what are you making the most out of right now?
1: You know, we have uh, quite a diverse range of clients in the health and beauty sector, electronics, the candles. We've got several candle manufacturers. And it's interesting, especially once that uh, YouTube video went viral, just the the volume of inquiries went just bananas. And we've got a fairly small team. So I was almost losing my voice, just, you know, trying to you know take on all the calls and you know, Fortunately, we kind of planned for this expansion right at the beginning of our relationship with Ecovative, because if we had said, oh, wow, this demand is really surging now, we would be several years out. So we've got three new buildings being manufactured on site, a 75,000 square foot, it's a former newspaper printing facility, and then three additional buildings to support growth and, and you know just basically storage of feedstock and things like that. So for it to be truly a viable alternative it really needs to be at scale and at a competitive price point
0: yeah no i see that i really want to find this viral youtube video now i'm seeing that yeah it's a fun one it just hit 2 million uh, views recently which is pretty cool wow i'll have to track it down and so it, it highlights the four
1: licensees that are currently uh, operating there's uh, one in the uk one in the
0: netherlands and one in development in, in new zealand oh, that's great So what else about this type of packaging or why is this a important or kind of advantageous material like why mushrooms for packaging
1: yeah so i appreciate that question you know a lot of my background is in agriculture both from like well i did a, a stint of time as an analytical chemist and was in particular looking at pesticide residues and there, it's kind of an invisible realm that you know really mirrors some of the aspects of what happens with things like microplastics that then turn into nanoplastics and then can enter into the food stream and they're very in, invisible and insidious fashion but I, I don't think the general population is aware of that long-term persistent problem that can occur that is quite invisible. And I think that's a part of that good idea whose time has come with mushroom packaging where there is enough social pressure on large companies in particular. I mean, I'm I'm getting inquiries from major Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies that aren't trying to switch right now, but they want to really phase out of these problematic persistent materials, you know, approaching 2025 in particular seems to be like a, a major global target date. Yeah. So it, it's kind of cool that, you know, it's not like uh, folks that are just trying to make an effort. It seems like they're really after systemic change, but more to your, your question, you know, these are uh, materials that don't go away and they will get smaller and smaller until I think recently it was, you know, six months ago or so, I was reading an article about nanoplastics that are able to be uptaken by plants that can then enter into the food su- supply system. And that's where, to me,
0: uh, things could get really frightening. From like a carbon emissions standpoint how does the production processing transportation like the life cycle analysis of mushroom packaging compare with other packaging materials when it comes to just the carbon emissions part
1: you know i i'd say my best answer to that is we are cradle to cradle gold certified which is a pretty intensive certification process as far as like they look at your energy usage your water usage and kind of uh, continuous goals to improve upon those those different aspects yeah I think that's also a big part of the eco-vative design vision of having a kind of global network of providers so that, you know, I'm not shipping this material to Asia and things like that, because it's that would be quite counterproductive. I would say as well, you know, and I was looking through on your website, the sustainability section, and this idea of circular economies is becoming more and more of a prevalent buzzword. And from that agricultural perspective too, I think it would be pretty amazing to see, you know, these systems of sequestering atmospheric CO2 into something like a fiber hemp plant that, you know, can be producing fibrous material and the hemp herd so that you're not only sequestering atmospheric CO2, but you're directly displacing things that are quite problematic from a
0: petrochemical perspective. That's interesting. I feel like we should add your page to our website so we can...
1: <laughs> Let's do it. We want to revamp it a little bit. So we'll kind of
0: streamline a little bit. That's one of our plans going into next year. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you know, the challenge with a lot of the conversations around sustainability and circularity is the actual solutions right now are just falling really, really short. Right. Um, And, you know, I think to your credit, like you've developed a business model to where it really is looking at the entire process. Where is it coming from and where is it going? Speaking of when it is put into the landfills or what is its end of life story, like when it's thrown away?
1: Yeah. And very quickly, too, I have to very much tip my hat. You know, we've developed Paradise Packaging Company in very close concert with Ecovative Design. it was a very involved technology handoff. So, you know, I definitely have to give an abundance of credit to the developers of the technology, my business partner and I really saw the potential not only for the facility that we've been developing up here, but um, it just felt like the right fit for, you know, sometimes the cards drop in, in interesting ways and to survive that experience and to still have the opportunity to pivot the facility to do something that's very impactful. And it's also going to help drive, you know, job development up here in paradises There's several aspects that we feel quite honored to be involved with. As far as the lifespan of the material, that's one of the things I think is really cool. You know, it's about 40 days from the point, ideally it would go into a soil composting system and 40 days from integration into that soil compost system, you basically are going to have all those decomposition microbes starting to work away at the material. And that's what's going to start. It's mushroom fiber and and wood fiber. That's the only constituents. And so if the material is stored in the proper conditions through accelerated aging trials, it can be very strong and solid for up to 30 years. And that's just keeping it in a nice dry environment as far as like, you know, if it gets into an aquatic system, there's less of the, those soil microbes or decomp microbes present. So it's more of a, about 140 days till it's completely gone from the environment and the equivalent of a log floating in the ocean, as far as I would look at it.
0: Amazing. I see on your website and I encourage everyone that's listening to this to go to paradisepackaging.co, right? Yep. But I didn't know that you guys had sound panels as well. And I've been looking for a sound panel to put on our our wall here so the sounds a little bit better. So I'm definitely going to uh, they're currently sold out, but I guess I'll have to I'll have to buy a couple from you.
1: Yeah, we're just starting to ramp back up on, on sound panels, and that's an area that I really do want to emphasize quite a bit because it's it's a very unique product. Yeah. One quick clarification, the email is .co, the the website itself is is .com.
0: So .com. Great. Yeah.
1: Just to clarify that the sound panels, especially since so many folks are working from home and you know, they, they look really neat too. We had a pretty big project with a fairly major client that I'm not sure if I can go into the name of them. They were doing a big car display and they pretty much cleaned us out. So we're building our supply backup on that side of things, but we'll send you down a couple samples so you can take a look at what they're like.
0: Awesome. That's great. Well, because this is just a new technology to me, I'm, I'm drawing some blanks on just terms of like what types of questions to ask you about this specific technology. But is there anything else that we should we should know about it, or that you think is just really kind of fascinating, or interesting, or compelling?
1: Yeah, definitely. And this is where you know I'm pretty deep level nerd. I love the really weird science factoids. I think that we are seeing a a level of interest in the mushroom world that's pretty awesome to see as far as you know, nutraceuticals and food sources. And you know, so like it's a really neat thing for such an obscure field to all of a sudden be thrust into the spotlight. But one of the things I think from the packaging end of it, it's not just that the the mushroom fiber is binding the wood fiber from a materials perspective. To me, you know, it's this mushroom is As it's working away at that woody material, it's changing the chemistry and it's imparting certain other qualities to it with like a water resistance. It's hydrophobic. So like if you were to pour water in the cavity, it won't turn to mush. It'll sit there for up to a couple of weeks before it gets a little, little funky and evaporates off. But that makes it really good for like food shipping coolers. And I'll just kind of show you really quickly. This is one of the shipping coolers that we make. So it has really good insulative qualities. And so that combined water resistance and insulative capacity and also a fire resistance, nothing's fireproof, but, you know, I've turned a torch on the material. It'll char a bit, but it won't light up. So, and that's, you know, that kind of fire resistance building material was that kind of little light that went off right after our fire. Because ultimately, you know, we're talking about appropriate materials and appropriate technologies for us to uh, kind of correct some of our previous mistakes.
0: So, Waterphobic and fire resistant. Correct. Is that kind of the? That's great. Hydrophobic would be the the more technical. Hydrophobic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. So what else? Well, there's a. It's a pretty unique position to be in, and I'm not very much I'm used to being in a media sort of a, a role. So to. Have this level of interest, and I mean the the companies that are inquiring. It's pretty darn fun, and and I've had the opportunity to be a part of a a very quick growing startup before. So it's kind of like that very unique experience from an entrepreneurial perspective of the ramp up and the level of interest. So we were given a, a pretty crazy set of opportunities, and you know I look forward to like especially once our raw material supply is on site. You know, our goal is to produce 500 tons of material a year out of this facility. The first three months of the year, we generated 34 tons of material, which, you know, that's, that's an annual target of about 120 tons. That's not a small number. And so I feel quite honored to be in this role.
0: Where do you see it going next? What's the future of? mushroom packaging? Boy,
1: there there are some lofty goals right now. What I really, and it's funny from a sales perspective, it's not so much trying to sell the product. It's more going through and identifying best use cases because we do have a lot of folks that, you know, they want to make a pinata or a surfboard. But, you know, what we're really trying to stick with is that protective packaging angle, especially for like impact protection, because every once in a while, you know, you can get a little bit of a a discoloration. We have very strict QAQC processes for strength and and visual aesthetics, but you know, sometimes the health and beauty angle, like they want a visually perfect, you know, it's a very neat looking material. You can kind of get a little bit of visual variation and that's a part of the deal. It's a biological process.
0: And some folks really embrace that part too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing on the, on the website here I think there's a little bit of a shift going in the health and beauty space because customers are asking for more sustainable. We see it on the plastic side where before it was like, if, if someone is using a hundred percent PCR and the plastic looked dirty, it was like, we're not using it because our customers won't want it. Right now. I think there's more of an acceptance of no, I'll take, I'll take the dirty looking. It actually helps with marketing because it tells the customer. Yeah. We care about the environment. We're using recycled content. It looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm hoping is even for your product line that the look and feel of it, I mean, it feels biodegradable, you know, it feels natural, it feels organic. And so I, I think that may actually play into what the, you know, what customers are really looking for, hopefully.
1: Oh, definitely. No, it is a very unique material. And so when we have clients, I always try to encourage, you know, have you, actually seen the material yet like because once you put your hands on it and i, I encourage folks to you know break it open look at it and, and you know scuff it again you know because just just do like a stress test almost to see if it's appropriate we have a lot of folks that also want to use it as their primary packaging and so it really is best suited for like secondary with especially going through the mail it can get a little dinged up but it's very resilient
0: yeah from a primary packaging standpoint almost like some of the other paperboard bottles that have been made recently where there needs to be some sort of plastic barrier liner, especially if it's going to be a wet, you know, product, right?
1: I think more so uh, in, in like e-commerce platforms and shipping. Like sometimes the parcels can be handled pretty aggressively, and so that's where it's such a good second or you know, like internal packaging, like if it's holding your candle inside
0: the box, that's like a really ideal use case. Got it. Got it. So any type of protective, or for electronics in particular, too. We've got some pretty big electronics companies inquiring right now. Well, I mean, with the with the continued growth of e-com and companies looking for more sustainable protection, gosh, I mean, I, th- I think you're perfectly positioned to take advantage of this whole thing.
1: I think so too. And, you know, we've got some very exciting folks that are are pulling, you know, for us quite strong. There's a, a very large waste disposal company out here that spends a lot of money trying to eliminate styrofoam from their processes. Yeah. So we're looking at them as a strategic partner and uh, I like to work. I like to keep busy. <laughs> It's one of those things where the days
0: go very quickly, but you are still quite energized by it, you know? So I guess before we sign off here, any other thing about about your story, the business, or really anything that you'd like to share? You know, I guess as a bit of a parting thought, sometimes we don't necessarily consider
1: the long-term impacts. And if you were to kind of look at your purchasing decisions... Because it really, you know, you're know, you voting with your wallet on all this stuff. And we really look to make this as price competitive as possible. And I think if petrochemical-based plastic packaging, if their lifespan was factored in, it would be a very different metric as cost. But that cheap, easy solution that plastic kind of gave us quite recently, I mean, it, plastics only really came on the market in the 30s and 40s. We're really seeing the consequences. And it's just going to be exacerbated unless we really jump on it right now. And I think We are not in any kind of um, post tipping point level. I'm an eternal optimist. But I think, you know, if you are using appropriate materials and and we are very biological organisms on a a biological planet, you want to use those appropriate materials. And I think that we're going to see more and more states, municipalities. Banning styrofoam and plastic, and I think you know some of these subsidy tax aspects with existing problematic materials, or you know offsets for folks to make those sort of changes, and also just the educational kind of um, component where you're letting people know why this is a better
0: choice. Awesome,
1: yeah. A very quick side note, actually, because you were mentioning the landfill aspect, and this is something I learned with that that waste disposal company. You know, ideally, it would go into a compost or, or a soil generation kind of angle. But if it were to go into a landfill, that is actually, those sort of materials are kind of a part of the the matrix or the, the formula for a landfill. You know, you have to have certain levels of those kind of materials in the mix. And so it's not like you're intentionally throwing away an aluminum can or a glass bottle. It's best to go into a soil compost system. If it did make it into a landfill, you're still displacing a styrofoam type material that is just going to be breaking down into smaller and smaller subunits.
0: Yeah. Boy, that's an interesting thought. Actually, packaging that when it goes to the landfill is actually improving the performance of the landfill. Correct. Boy, how cool is that?
1: And perhaps as a scientist guy, I got to be careful with certain claims. I don't know that it would necessarily improve it. It would. It's a necessary component for the landfill matrix. Yeah. I just throw that out to be uh, as
0: accurate as possible.
1: Sometimes when you say you're improving something, like I like to make sure that any any claims are very backed up by the data.
0: Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Maybe, um, I mean, certainly would be better than styrofoam being thrown away. Oh
1: yeah. One thing uh, as a little bit of a side use, and especially from like my, my botany angle, one of the areas I really do want to kind of expand upon is, uh, they make really good planters, get uh, a sound panel and some planters down for you to play with. So you got some greenery in the back of your office there, but, um, we've been making like these little seed starters that are, essentially like a deluxe jiffy pot so that you can get your little seedling going and just put that right in the ground and it'll just kind of go right through the material over time and and you're eliminating the little plastic pot on that side but there's also some interesting kind of angles for habitat restoration where you know you could basically be building these little rafts with plants that would almost form their own little island and i really like that kind of
0: restoration ecology angle so i want to develop out the planters a bit more too yeah boy a lot of potential there too. Oh yeah. You just think of going to you know Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever thing and seeing all the different plastic planters that are sitting there. And you know, we yank your plants out, we plant them and then you know that goes straight to the landfill.
1: Absolutely. And we've had some really big,
0: big, big commercial nurseries reach out. Yeah. Well I still think just one of the big limitations in a lot of these for companies is going to be how durable is it if it gets wet.
1: Right. And that's the thing about it that's so unique, I believe, is is it is it holds up very well to water contact. Yeah. I mean persistent water contact is going to allow those kind of decomposition microbes to start moving so that's where, you know, what we consider proper dry storage conditions is, you know, below 30% humidity. And you know, we, we send everything out in, in proper sealed sealed containers with with
0: deskin packs. So when you're not uh growing mushrooms and changing the world of packaging what are some of your hobbies?
1: You know, I, I like to go. We have a, a really amazing park up here. It's one of the biggest city parks in the, in the country. It goes way up into the mountains. I'm wearing a lot of hats right now. And I actually just got the whole family interrogation for uh, work-life balance. When are you going to get a girlfriend? And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, when are you going to go on vacation? It's like, look, I'm doing what I like to do. Just uh, give me a little more time. And, uh, you know, we've got a good, strong team up here. So I'm, I'm kind of a, a glutton for punishment. But... Uh,
0: I thrive on it, you know? That's great. I mean, you know, that whole saying of, you know, if you do what you love, then you don't work a day in in your life. 110%. That's great. Well, I can't thank you enough for giving us an introduction to Paradise Packaging and Mushroom Packaging. I think it's a super exciting industry field product that is only going to continue to grow in popularity. So uh, I wish you all the best. And maybe in a couple of years, we can uh, sit down and chat again and talk about all the progress that's been made.
1: Yeah. And if you're ever up here in Northern California... You know, we'd love to kind of show you around a bit and I'd encourage folks to really consider what their purchase power, you know, the big companies are really starting to look at that. So uh, consumer shift is really starting to to make an impact, I think. And I very much appreciate the efforts of your company and, and the invite to uh, talk about our company and uh, mushroom packaging.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again. We'll talk soon.
1: Heck yeah. Have a great day. See ya. Right, bye.
0: Well, thank you all for listening to that episode and a special thanks to Kieran for sharing his story. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you'd like to connect with him, please go visit his website, uh, paradisepackaging.co or paradisepackaging.com. Actually, both will go to the website. As always, feel free to reach out anytime, provide feedback, suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Take good care and we'll uh, see you soon. you.